Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode 114 of Good Humans Podcast with a very special man by the name of Morgan Nelson. I can't wait for you guys to rip into this episode. A big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Drink a Rapper. These bloody legends have been supporting us for so long now. My brain is feeling so much better because of their product. It's a brain drink, the neuroscience-backed product that... You guys should try out over $5 million worth of clinical studies has been spent developing this product and making sure that you're going to get the benefits that they say they um, give you. If you head over to their website, drinkarepper.com, you can learn all about the scientific studies. You can also pick up some of their products using the code GOODHUMAN. You get a huge 25% off everything over on their website. Or in Coles and Woolies, Woolies look for the purple black currant looking drink in a glass bottle with a big capital A on it. I love this stuff. You guys are going to love it too. And it's going to make your brain perform better, both short-term and also for your long-term brain health. So get amongst it. Check them out. All right, today's episode, Morgan Nelson. Far out. I love this guy. He's, um, yeah, super interesting with a really, really dedicated life. So Morgan's a master trainer of neurolinguistic programming and has close to a decade of studying human psychology and, and neuroscience under his belt. He trains his audiences from a place of authenticity, simplicity, and embodiment while guiding them to reprogram their minds and nervous systems for success, joy, clarity, while having a heap of fun doing it. He's He now has a, he's a founder and CEO of the Morgan T. Nelson Events Company, one of Australia's fastest growing, top-rated personal and professional development companies. He helps millennials break through their life of fear, self-doubt, and limitation to finally create their life with intention, passion, and next-level success. I jumped on Morgan's podcast a few months back and had such a good time talking about my journey, talking about my story, and I had such a great time chatting to him. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do me a huge favor. Tell a friend about it or share it on your social media. It's such a great way for us to grow these lessons, to grow these episodes, and yeah, just to get people learning about these stories of people that can really help bring benefits to their life. Do me a huge favor. If you enjoyed the episode, go hit like or subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. We're getting close to a 1,000 five-star ratings over on Spotify. I would love to see that number grow even closer to it. Yeah, let's jump into the episode, though. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Morgan Nelson. How you going, brother? Mate, I'm terrific. So good to be on here with you and having a good chat. So I'm looking forward to it. Mate. I love everything you do and the mission you're on and the impact you're having. It's really, really cool. So. Yeah, likewise, I, uh, I was lucky enough to jump on your podcast, Dream Out Loud. Yeah, Dream Aloud. Dream Aloud. Aloud. Um, yeah. A couple months back, we got to know a little bit more about your story and you got to know a lot about my story. So today the tables are turned. Yeah. I get to know a bit more about your life. You have um, what looks like from the outside quite an extraordinary life. You don't settle for average. You are really out there trying to make a big impact in the world and live a life full of excitement and freedom and yeah, just 
dream big, I guess, which is kind of all what your business is based around. Yeah, dream out loud. <laughs> um, tell me, I guess, tell the listeners real quickly who you are and what do you do? <clears throat> yeah, so you're definitely right. Uh, I, I do love to create an extraordinary life, sort of everything I teach, like how to create, how do you create your dream life? How do you create your extraordinary life? How do you create a life by design? Like, so massive success, massive freedom and joy, you know, health, all, all the good things, you know, the good life. I, I think I really grew up with, Everything was very average, which I think a lot of people do is very just mediocre, in which I think if we don't really strive for something great, we'll fall for, you know, just the average. So a little bit about me, what we do, we've got, you know, uh, Dream Out Loud Institute, I think is what I'm going to actually call it technically, is uh, an events company. So I really specialize on teaching people transformational education that they can't get anywhere else. Like actual transformational education we should have learned in school, we should have been conditioned with during school, like all the good things I'm sure we'll probably dive into some today. And um, so that's my main thing, like teaching and training from stage. We, we have events. Uh, it feels like every single time I turn around, there's another event on. We had one last weekend, have one in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, so that's all happening. So that's everything we're doing now. Um, where I came from. We can rewind back. Yeah, you want to rewind I'll, I'll back? I'll bring you there. Before yeah. we go back there, yeah. I think that sets us up for where we're going to get to in this chat yep. now. Um, but yeah, we want to get there first. But a few things I do open this podcast with. First thing is uh, we're going to have a little a rapper cheers. We were talking yep. about a rapper off air. Is that how you say it? A rapper? A rapper. I thought it was a, a reaper. reaper. A rapper. I don't know why. It's I think because it's New Zealand, be. it's a rapper. You meant to write a rapper. Bro. A rapper. It's New um, Zealand. Nice. It's from New Zealand. But yeah, legends. Here, I'll give you a little cheers of this. Tell you a little cheers. about it. It's um, obviously a neuroscience drink developed by... One of the world's leading neuroscientists, Professor Andrew Scully, and yeah, just a beautiful product. It's all natural, no caffeine, mm. short-term brain performance, long-term brain health, pretty much all the things I someone like you that. love. I'm it's... sure the science behind it and the neuroscience with your background is something you are truly curious about. So I'm going to send you the link. You can check out all the science yep. on their website. And um, yeah. Amazing. Bloody brilliant. You, you interviewed the, the guy, didn't you? Didn't you interview the... I've had Professor Scully on. I've also had Angus Brown, the um, founder and co-CEO, and I've also had Sam Dodd, who's the in-house neuroscientist. So. Cool. No, I have to get you stuff. to connect me with him. I'd love to chat with a neuroscientist. Absolutely. Yeah. Legend. Sam's a bloody legend. He will chat to you for sure. Yeah. So Andrew is. Professor Scully's a legend. Um, second question I open with, mm-hmm. give me one thing you're grateful for right now in your of life. Of course. Um, you know what? I want to give something deeper because every every day I write down, I try to think of, I'll write down 10 things every single day. 10 every day? Yeah, wow. every day, every day. My, my bare ass minimum uh, is because you'd know, like sometimes in a perfect world, writing down 10 gratitudes every day sounds fantastic in a perfect world. But then when you travel and maybe you do a red eye flight and you have a shitty start to your day, you know what I mean? So like sometimes if I'm in hotel rooms or something, I get in the shower, I'm like, I need space to myself. And I think of just three, three minimum every day, but usually mm-hmm. it's 10 I write down. Um, and usually it's always things like people, my legs, my heart, my brain today, you know, the sun, lots of things, but I just come back from Bali and, uh, I witnessed something that I didn't know existed really. I was so ignorant to it. Um, like I lived there for three years and we're actually supporting, it's not a charity, it's a safe house where, so we're raising 15 grand through our mastermind event by the end of the year to help build some new houses there for the kids and all this stuff. So what this woman does is helps women and children get off the street who have been domestic violent and all this. And I, when I heard about it, I was like, yeah, it's really cool. Like, I'm sure like one will support it. Sure, sure. Then we walked through like the slums and I really understood the stories of like what happens to some of these young girls 
um, that, you know, they don't have an education uh, and all this stuff. And the reason why they end up on the street making $3 a day is because they never even had the opportunity to go to school. And it's funny because I've always bashed on the education system. I've been very grateful lately for that I had the opportunity to go to a fucking school. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Because like pe- people in these, in our our country, like it's, like I remember growing up always complaining about school. Mm. Now I go over there and I'm like, wow, these people would do anything they could just to go to a school. Yeah, we take it for granted. I, I did a school workshop a couple of hours ago. And it's funny, I see myself in a lot of students when it's like disengaged, some guy coming to talk about mental health, mm. but then you see like other ones who are really taking it in and it's just like, oh, I just, I'm sure like almost anyone listening who's finished school, which is the majority of my audience, look back and wish they not took it more seriously, but were more grateful of it. I think it's yeah. something that we just take for granted. It's an absolute privilege. Well, I didn't even know what the word gra- gratitude meant until I was, I was 22 years old surfing with one of my friends and sunrise has come up she's like i'm so grateful for that i'm like you're a weirdo <laughs> and then she's like and then we started talking about it and i was like what? you know but like there's that's the thing like just the ignorance of it mm. you know like i i was probably one of those shitheads i remember back in school people would come in and speak and unless they swore or said something funny i just wasn't interested yeah I, you know i just i don't know it just wasn't interested unless i was doing something physical back then mm. yeah it's know? funny and like i'm not bash on the education system but i see <laughs> many flaws in it as well yeah. but um yeah, it's great that some schools are bringing people like myself in to think a bit outside the square when it comes yeah. to things like mental health, when it comes to things like breaking out of the norm of which school kind of drags us towards. Yeah. But I'm excited to hear about your school journey now because you've had, um, yeah, obviously an experience at school that might be a bit unique, as mm. we all do. But let's go back to the beginning. Where you born? Where'd you grow up? What was well, your family life like? Tell me what I need to know about your family life. To- Alrighty. Yeah, I don't know. I've ever talked all the way back to the beginning. Oh, yeah, so all the way. Just give me some context yeah. of who you were as a kid. So, I was born in New South Wales. Moved up here when I was a couple of years old. Uh, grew up in Brisbane and on the Gold Coast, pretty much. I spent most of my life Gold Coast. Uh, first early years, of my school life and everything in Brisbane. And you know the whole early, the whole early stages and everything like that. What it was massively all about was just trying to get through and have fun. Get through and have fun. Um, you know, I, I want actually, I really like school, like school was fun. And when I really started to really think about education and school and all these sorts of things was probably like grade 10, you know, they sat us down in grade 10 and grade 10 was probably the funnest year of my life, by the way. Like, um, yeah, I was having so much fun, you know, like I was doing okay in the classes. We're doing sport. Uh, I just started doing kickboxing. I was at that age where I was like, like I knew what to do when I hung out with a girl. <laughs> so all that earlier, you know, it's like, like the dating scene stuff. So grade 10 was when things got so fun. And I remember they sat me down, they gave me this big booklet. They're all right, Morgan, you got to get serious now about your life, you know, because I'm 14 years old now. So I better start figuring out what I want to do with the rest of my life. So they said, here's a book, flick through this, pick the career you want to do when you graduate. I'm like, God damn, okay. So I flick right to the back where the most highest pay is. Like, I want to do this, mechanical engineer. And they said to me, like, you're not smart enough to become a mechanical engineer because in order for you to do that, you need to study this at university. And in order to even get let into that university, you need to study this, 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 and this in grade 11 and 12. And your grades aren't good enough to get accepted into those classes now. Okay. Well, I want to do the next one. Electrical engineer. (laughs) They're like, this is what we're talking about. I'm like, I don't know. What, What should I do then? And they said, we'll recommend what you what, what we think you should do, then we'll tell you what we think you shouldn't do. 
What we think you should do is something with your hands. Become a tradie, become a mechanic, something like that. Trade time for money, you know? Uh, what we recommend you don't do is anything in reading, writing, journalism, or speaking. Because it's not your strong suit at all. I was like, wow. You know, now I've spoken in four countries around the world. Biggest crowds of 6,000 people at a time. I run events and speak for a living, you know? We have podcast listeners in uh, 70 or 80 countries around the world. Um, but back then, it, it really got to me where I was like, because I was looking at these guys for guidance. It's like, well, the, you're the professionals in life, so what should I do? So they said, don't do this, you can do this. You know, so then I, w- I really went to the year 11 and 12 thinking that I was pretty stupid. I saw the, the divide. I'm like, well, these guys here are smart. They can go study this, you know, and I can't. So what I did was... You know, people were like, well, if you're not going to go to university, why don't you just quit and go get a trade? I'm like, are you freaking crazy? These are the best years of my life. There's parties on every single weekend. There's girls at the parties every single weekend. And then I come to school. I have no responsibility. I play football with my friends. I ain't leaving. <laughs> In mm. fact, it was so good. One of my best friends, he was a year older than us. He repeated grade 12 to stay with us for another year. And I'm looking back and I'm like, man, I should have done the same thing. Because we're just having so much fun, you know, and I and I, and I was really soaking up for the present and I knew that, you know, one day all this would end and I knew that one day, you know, we have to go be responsible for life mm, and do something. Wide world out there. Yeah, you know, so look, school finished. School was great. I, I, I really liked it, you know. We nearly got expelled in the last year. We skipped so many classes and all the rest of it, but had a lot of fun. Don't regret anything. It was amazing. Really appreciate a lot of the teachers that were... Um, you know, looking back on it now, there's a lot of teachers that tried. They really tried so hard to help us. Mm. And I couldn't see it back then. And I've actually reconnected with some teachers, apologized, and they're the ones I have the best relationships with. Isn't it crazy as well? That year 11 and 12, two years, or the last couple of years of school, is where you start to be old enough to like respect it. Oh, wait yeah. a second. These people are just here to help me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I, 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 every time I go to schools, I drill that into kids. I'm like, the best thing you can learn when you're at school is learning how to learn. Mm. it goes past so many of us that it's like no you need to learn how to take information from somebody who's trying to teach you something yeah so what you learn at school not much of it goes with you after but understanding how to learn and how to like pull the things that you need to improve your life is the most important thing i think what's really important as well and one of the things where not so much the education system is flawed but the way they teach teachers is flawed Mm. so i'm a trainer now I, i train people how to educate people really that's what i do for 40 hours in one weekend, I have a program called the Dream Out Loud Method where I'm training and teaching. Literally trying to give people 12 years of education and transformation in a weekend. And so then people will eventually come to our trainers training program. And knowing what I know now about human beings, human psychology, behavioral psychology, all these sorts of things, that we all don't learn the same way. Mm. The reason why I was shit in school, the reason why they could literally look at me and say, you suck at English, you suck at speaking, uh, you suck at writing, spelling, so you'll never become a speaker was just stupid because yeah, I still suck at, I barely read because I, I just struggle with it. Like a, there's doesn't, doesn't compute into my brain, mm. you know, but I watch videos. Yeah. I watch videos. I listen to podcasts. That's how I learn. I go do events and I sit in the program and people teach me and I soak it in and I watch and I model like that. That's why I was very good with music and PE. So I, would, I could watch something, model it and then do it back. Mm. But what I often got back in school was, He's, uh, which I'll tell you exactly why. There's, there's one of my programs, I put people intentionally under stress. I find their, I want to find their limit. So every, every single one of us has a stress threshold. Once we hit the limit of it, we will then break through and we then go to what our coping mechanism is. We have multiple different personalities that will come out. 
And my coping mechanism is, is called the joker. So when I get stressed out or uncomfortable or an awkward situation, I go past my line of tolerance, I will be funny. I'll crack a joke, I'll get distracted, I'll say something. I'll use humor to uh, diffuse the, or the, the uncomfortable feeling inside my body. Everyone's different. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's so many different ones, um, but sometimes people can be like uh, argumentative where it's like, I call it the yes, but chicken. You know, some people can be like, oh, this is black. And they're like, no, it's not. It's gray. Mm. Just things like this. Just always strange personalities have to come out. When, when just go into their own shell and yeah. say anything. Yeah. There's heaps. People can result back to the victim stories, the wound person that, you know, oh, you don't know how hard it is to me. These, you know, and all these things start to happen. And when I realized that for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I was maybe 20, 24, 25, I think when I learned this for the first time, I was like, wow, I was never a bad student. Sometimes I was. But I was, for the most part, never a bad student. I was really misunderstood. Mm. I was really so overwhelmed with the information they were giving me for my ADHD dyslexic freaking brain. I was so overwhelmed with that and I didn't know how to compute it. So it was very uncomfortable for me and I would always be the class clown. Every report card, Morgan's got a lot of potential, but he's always joking around. Now I understand. Like, I'll joke around when I didn't understand it. So if teachers knew how to train students types, yeah. yeah if but to the depth of like how, how i teach people because when i'm in a room of you know dream press will have hundreds of people in the room i need to know lots of different personalities lots and and the way if i say one thing you may respond differently to this person and just because you respond differently doesn't mean anything about you so but if i understand oh he's just processed it differently that's his well whatever right but teachers are only taught i don't know how they're taught to be honest but you know, and there's nothing against that, but I'm saying like, if we were to really look at changing the education system, it's not really much about what's taught, mm. it's how yeah, it's taught, taught. Yeah, you know, because a lot of students would then leave with, sure, a lot of education that was quite irrelevant, sure, but they'll leave with high self-esteem because you wouldn't believe how many people I talk to where they're like, I don't feel like I'm good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not worthy enough and it all stems from childhood things mm. where somewhere someone said to them, you're not smart, you can't, you're not good enough, you got a C when Bobby got a B or whatever. And I really think like if, if teachers knew how to teach and train people differently for their personality types, we would get a lot different sort of students in the world, especially with, with tests. Mm. Like my, my memory is pretty good. But here's, well, here's the thing. Everybody has a good memory and everyone's an extremely smart, dedicated person for the things that are important for them. Mm. I never gave two shits about To Kill a Mockingbird in school. I never cared at all. But you asked me, uh, I, I, I dance like salsa and Latin dancing now, right? I was in Bali the other day and someone's like, you just so you're so good, you know, you know when the music's gonna stop. And I started rattling things off. Well, it's because, you know, these layers of music and da 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 da. I was like, I just know that, you know, there's eight bars and blah blah blah. Mm. She said, How do you know that? I said, Don't know. I studied it in school. Mm. There's only a few things in school because I, I, I know it, because I was really interested in music. Mm. But then people would be like, Oh, he's stupid. Because he's not interested in literacy. And I ha it's funny as well. The thing that I've been reflecting on a lot lately about school is the fact that school, we basically get taught there's a right and a wrong answer. Mm -hmm. And then you get out of school and you can solve the same problem in fucking a thousand different ways. Yeah. Whatever your metric is based on earning more money or like helping more people. Like there's no right or wrong way unless you're doing a fucking math equation. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. And I feel like at school you get taught like you're wrong if you get this mark but it's like it's all subjective to 
the marker anyway like yeah, yeah schools well are... a lot of the, the the tests are nothing based off your ability to actually perform it's all about your ability to remember exactly which that's not going to save you in the work life exactly like like you a lot of people adapt and yeah that's yeah. leadership right mm. leadership is the ability to actually adapt under pressure mm. if they if they if they develop leaders in school instead of but you know you got to look back what's school for the school is to get people ready for the workforce exactly it's getting a, ready for the system it's so hard and you learn nothing about entrepreneurship it doesn't tell you yeah you go to the back of that careers book and the highest paid job you can get is like 200k a year uh-huh. <laughs> you can't really live that much of a comfortable life nowadays with 200k mm-hmm. a year anyway so it's like you need to Dream out loud and find some new things. But I, right. I'm interested in um, this next chapter after yeah, school. Yeah, so, okay. You had some um, challenges after school from reading some of your, uh, doing a bit of research. But yeah, tell me about that next chapter, yep. finishing school up to your early 20s. So I left school. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I got a job making some money. <clears throat> me and my mates go and travel Europe, do our two-month thingy. Amazing. I come back with one, with one question. How can I make enough money so I can do that trip every year? I was like, maybe I can get through life. I can do this work thing. I can do this work thing if I know that every year I'm going to take like two months off and travel. That's pretty dope. So a friend calls me up and he's like, hey, you want to become a chippy? I said, the fuck is a chippy? He said, a carpenter. I said, what, laying carpets? I had no idea, man. I had no idea. And he said, no, like building houses. I'm like, you know, I used to build cubby houses as a kid. Like, sure, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. You know, because tradies, you know, ladies love the tradies. That'd be amazing. I was an 18-year-old. I was like, that'd be sick. Let's do it. I become a tradie. First day on the job side as a carpenter. I walk in, hard hat, high-vis, boots, and a lunchbox. And instantly I just knew. I was like, this is, this is horrible. Like, this is my life? Nine hours later, my boss comes out to me and says, you can go home early today because it's your last day. Nine hours. And I go, what's a normal day? And he says, 10, usually 11 hours. Like, damn, how many days a week do we do this for? And he says, five, usually six. And I'm thinking, you know, and I asked myself in my head, I said, but how many years am I going to do this for? And the answer was until the day I died, you know, and, and then that reality hit me. I was like, shit, man, if, if I don't even find a way to make money while I sleep or to at least trade my time on this earth to make the money doing something I love, I will spend my days, the majority of my life, like exactly like, my parents, everyone else around me. Like, I just started to look at the world. I was like, these people aren't happy. Like, they're really not happy. Like, a, a lot of people in their jobs are not happy, but they choose it because they've never been taught how to choose something else. So, I I looked one day, the developer drove on the side, a brand new BMW, nice car, like $220,000 car. I asked my boss, I said, who's this guy? He's the developer. I'm like, man, how do you become a developer? And he's like, well, you know, you go finish your trade, become a builder, and then you move into development. So I'm thinking, the boom, that's it. If I can become a developer, I'm going to develop the houses, other people build them for me, I sell them, but a bing, bada boom, I'll retire by 50. Happy days, that's a good life. You know, and I'll surf and hang out and whatever. So in my head, I committed to that. I was like, I'm going to finish my apprenticeship. I'm going to go through the trenches. I'm going to go through the hell. Because it's not going to be fun, but it's going to be worth it. So I always knew, like, you know, of course, you can't have everything you want. But you can have everything you want eventually if you learn to endure enough, you know, within reason. That's what I learned. So then I got my apprenticeship. I'm working working 10 hours a day, 11 hours a day. We run out of work on the Gold Coast. We go up to Mackay to go work. So now I've graduated from 11 hours a day to 14 hours a day. Working 43 to 45 degree heat every single day up there. Six, seven days a week for three weeks at a time. And then I'll take two days off. 
I'd come back down to the Gold Coast, use all the money I made to fly back down, party for two days, see my friends, have a life, go back and do it all again. And it was horrible. <laughs> like, it was horrible. And this, we're talking now, like, I'm 30 now. I was 19. So it's like 11 years ago. It's hectic. And we, we, we were working, you know, 14 hours a day. It was just absolutely horrible. But what happened with that, we're living in a two-bedroom house with, I think, at one point, about nine or ten different tradies. So there was a handful of us all sharing the lounge room. Couch, blow bed. Like, it was just disgusting. The house smelled. Um, but the worst thing about it all is the the environment that I was in was was super not supportive at all. Because everybody was toxic. Everybody was negative. Uh, a lot of people were depressed. Um, you know... Come on, drink beers every afternoon. Every day, right? Because I started to look. I was like, how do you guys handle doing all these work right so like what's your vice but i didn't know what a vice was back then what the fuck is the vice so i see them every single day now we're drinking about 10 gym beams every afternoon and then every morning we're taking drugs now so taking drugs to wake up in the morning drugs keep going during the day drugs to come down at night time and mix with 10 jimmies or so every single day so we had a concoction of just uppers downers and alcohol and Mix that into everywhere you look, people are just negative. And then I'm the lowest one on the... Uh, Totem pole. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm, pecking order. Yeah, so I was the first year apprentice. So not only was I going through all that, but I was treated like shit. Uh, so my self-esteem was so low, my self-confidence so low. Uh, had no idea what self-love, nothing was at all. Uh, you know, and then so every single thing I was trying to do was trying to escape this. You know, looking back on it now, what's going through my mind was I was trying to escape all the pain inside here. So I would try to go away to Ellie Beach to just get wasted, you know, and then come back and then, and then we'd take more drugs or whatever and, and all these sorts of things. And this went on for maybe 10 months and I could not live. I could not do anything unless I was on coke, having pills or, or, or drinking. You know, every waking moment we were on something, you know, and then... You know, eventually the pain just got so much. Um, it was funny. I was, I was at, I was in Byron the other day, having a conversation with Cohen Ray, and he just went through his hectic uh, experience. Right, he's had a stroke and he got super depressed and all stuff. And he's saying he's like, he's like, people don't ever uh, want to kill themselves because they think it's a good option. <laughs> so they kill themselves yeah, because they don't know how to escape the pain in the current reality. Mm-hmm. Like the pain is so high. That they think it's yeah, you know, they just don't know how to escape. It's the only option. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, that was exactly what it was. So I was 19 years old in so much pain, and I I legitimately thought that a if I kill myself, no one will care anyway. B if I if I do this, the pain will stop. So I I tried to take my own life. 19, legitimately thinking it was the only option mm. like like it definitely wasn't a well thought out thing it's kind of just like yeah. this you know it's all sort of sucks um you know so i attended once and i know ne- i never actually shared this story but i, I attended a second time a couple weeks later just to see if i got it right the second time <laughs> and um and then after that i remember actually waking up because i i smack i was bleeding so i hit my head on like a table and uh i remember actually sort of waking up from that and being like knowing something was fucked up I'm like, this is not good. And and sort of like intrinsically, I knew straight away the two things I need to do 
and they move my body and they eat fruit. <laughs> I don't know why. I was just like, I just got to eat. But like our body knows if we, if we can listen to it. And, um, you know, sure enough, running exercise released endorphins, natural depression, antidepressant, uh, and fruit, you know, just better health. Mm. I was living off a, literally a drug and alcohol diet, drug, alcohol, Coca-Cola and, and fucking meat pies and shit, you know? Uh, and no real food. Like that's, that was the whole thing. So when I wasn't there, I was, I was getting the fights. I was getting arrested because I was just this bottled up, uh, thing of anger wanting to i don't know but I, but I, I decided then in that moment that i'm gonna quit my apprenticeship because i was sticking in it because the apprenticeship i was like i want to finish it i need to finish it and then i realized i was like nothing will be more important ever again than my my own happiness you know and me just feeling good about myself so that started the journey i came back down to the gold coast i i didn't share this story actually for uh, i remember i was in in America, it's probably 24. I didn't tell anybody until about 24. So it's been wow. for four or five years because I thought it was bad. Right? Like, there was no podcast like this. Mm. Like, back in my day, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no one was talking about it. I didn't even know. I didn't know the feeling of anxiety. I didn't, I didn't know. Like, it was happening. Mm. Right? Like, like legitimate. We're the same. I mean, you're younger than you, so we're on a pretty similar timeline, yeah. I think, with the context of the world and around that same 21 22 was when i i wouldn't say really struggled with my mental health but i had to seek the information myself it wasn't as a buzzword mental health that it is now there's there wasn't podcasts like this organizations like mine trying to make it cool make it mm. acceptable for tradies to question it all so yeah, what was your experience in that early twenties with finding help? Obviously, you kept it a secret for five years. As I just stuck, stuck it down. <laughs> but it sounds like when after the second attempt, did you go and seek help or do anything, or you just nah. changed careers and took on that? Yeah, like burden, not burden, but took on that next step by yourself. Is that where mm. the sort of NLP and no, that that came out a lot longer actually. So so pretty much what happened was I, I remember having uh, two conversations time one time. I was up Mackay. I called mum one time, uh, and I think I tried to explain to her as best I could that I was extremely unhappy, without making it worry being a burden. Because mm. all in my family as well, like my my family is like any family, everyone's dysfunctional. <laughs> so I tried to always be like, I don't want to create more problems in my family. Yeah. So. Um, I think I remember, and then I think mom just gave me some good mom advice. You know, just like, take it easy. Why don't you just come back down to the Gold Coast, have a weekend off or something. I was like, I can't. And I remember talking to one of my other friends about it one time as well. Like she's like a healer actually. So she's like, she's like my spiritual mentor actually. And, uh, you know, and they just, I, I think I just tried to explain, but I, I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know how to explain the fact that I could just be walking and have so much pain in my whole body, but I just wanted to leave. Like I wanted to get out of my body, but I didn't know how, mm. you know what I mean? So anyway, but I was like, what really happened was I was like, I'm done with this negativity. I'm, be- I'm done tri- being treated like shit. I'm, I'm done with all this. I'm going back down the Gold Coast. I'm going to start a business. So I actually started a lawn mowing business. Uh, I did that for a bit of fun actually before I went to Europe when I was 18, made a lot of money and then just fucking went, had no idea about business, went to Europe, didn't tell any of my clients, come back and wonder why I had no clients anymore. So I came back down the Gold Coast. I'm like, I'm going to start my own, you know, lawn mowing business again. I did this and I had all this rage inside that didn't last because I was just so angry at the world. Um, you know, fast forward a few more years, I ended up 
finishing my apprenticeship, but I just went and got a job somewhere else with somebody else. And I was just very mindful of like, I'm not going to work on a job site where I don't enjoy the 10 hours I'm there. Mm. I need to enjoy the work and I enjoy the people. If I can do that, then I can find joy in it. You know, that was sort of just, just I guess I had to discover my own boundaries. Um, then 21 years old came along. I Well, the biggest thing, sorry, this is what brings me out everything I teach now, right? I have my biggest program is the Dream Out Loud Method. So the four pillars of creating the life of your dreams. The first one is the right environment. So I realized that then, 19. So I asked myself, it's like, how come when I lived on the Gold Coast, I was so happy? How come when I'm here, I'm so unhappy? The biggest difference was the, the people you're surrounded with. But everything, the food I'm consuming, the music I'm consuming, the conversations I'm consuming, the people I'm around, what I'm looking at, where I'm living, like my body, my health, everything, you know? It's all in our environment. Our external environment will then dictate our internal environment. If we can master our internal environment, we'll master any emotion. So what I truly believe now, and I, I say sometimes people, like that depression is not a thing. And I feel like I, I can say that because of where I went. But it's like they've got to hear me out the rest of it, right? Because mm. like the placebo effect is a legitimate thing. Like if, it beats all the SSRIs. Right? If you believe it is, you believe it is. You're, you're actually right. right. And whatever we put focus on, we're going we're gonna to bring about in our life. If we believe that we're depressed, we believe that depression is thing, we believe it, you know, you know we, it's, just, it's just not useful. You mm. said things right and wrong. Nothing's right or wrong, but things are either useful or unuseful for our lives. Power of the Subconscious Mind. Great book. Joseph yeah. Murphy. Yeah. I'm reading it right now. And, you know, so it's like if, if, if we're going to go out there and that's why I think last time we talked, I, I said to you, I was like, I would never say I'm going to support a, yeah. they used to call them the black dog awareness tours. And I was like, it's just ugh, horrible. I would never, I don't ever ask me to speak at one of that. I would never, never do it. I don't, I, I'm not about creating a community of people to be like, hey, if you're depressed, come here. Let's, let's talk about our depression together. No, I'd rather work from the preventative Exactly what you do. Me too. Yeah. I would rather teach people the skill skill set and the mindset so you can be so resilient. So when you're having tough times, you know how to handle yourself. Mm. And and if you if you're in a time where you don't know how to handle yourself, you know how to ask for good good advice. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's the most important thing. Not a community be like, Oh, you're depressed, same with me. Let's fucking be depressed together. Yeah. That's, that's not useful for anybody. Yeah. yeah. So I, I found my first business at twenty one because I changed my environment. I started surrounding myself with people that were actually happy. They were going places in life. So I got introduced to my the network marketing at 21. Had no idea what it was. <clears throat> but I went down and I just, for the first time in my life, I saw a group of people working towards a mission that was purposeful, creating impact, helping people, creating freedom for themselves. I was like, I don't give a shit what this is. I want in. And I sucked at it. I was so shit at it for like the first 18 months. Um, but to be honest, I did it for eight years and I still stuck to it when I finished. But my first 18 months, I was so shit. But all I knew is that I saw how many people started and quit, started and quit. I said, it's actually pretty easy to succeed in this. All I need to do is stay longer than the average person is willing to stay. Uh, and um, what network marketing was it for, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Isogenics. Isogenics. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we started out in yeah, 21 before it was really cool. And, uh, you know, the whole digital nomad lifestyle and all these sorts of things. So, we're now going back nine years, nine, yeah. over nine years, right? Started that and then that led me to the next pillar, which is the right vehicle. If we want to create the life that we want, we've got to find a vehicle to get into. You know, if you could be the best race car driver in the world, or believe you are, but if you don't have a car to get into, you ain't going anywhere. But then vice versa, you could have a Ferrari, but if you're too scared to drive it, you're not going to go anywhere. Mm. So there's, there's, there's a few things that need to go into this formula. But I, but I found this, and uh, I'm very glad I found it actually, because it taught me a lot of 
uh, thick skin. Because tell you what, as soon as you go start a business, you'll find out who your real friends are. Start a network marketing business, you'll fucking really find out fast who your real friends are. You know, because people just have this stigma. And uh, but I just looked and I was like, look, I'm willing to align enough about it to make my own decision about it versus, you know, snub my nose up about it. And I did all that. I, I kept working, kept working, got mentors, did the stuff. Like I'd go work on the job site still at 12 hours a day, come home, work my part-time business three, four hours a day, sleep five hours a day, four hours a day. Not that I recommend it, but it's what got me to where I got to, right? Mm. And then I remember <clears throat> 23 years old, um, my girlfriend at the time, she's American, and then she got deported from Australia. I was driving to work and she FaceTimes me crying. I thought she was laughing. She's like, I just got deported. I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> and then she's crying. I'm like, oh, and that really hit me. I was like, wait, so can you get back in? She's like, no. I'm like, what are we going to do then? What happened? I was dating a girl when I was 23 from America as well. Yeah. But she was here on a working holiday. No, she wasn't on a working holiday. She was here working, but why yeah. did she get deported? for working when she shouldn't have been working because she's trying to I think I think at the time she was on a tourist visa technically uh, but she's working cash and you know so court. yeah, yeah. She, well she did a visa run came back in and what happens you do it three times they flag you um, like, how are you how are you back in here for nine months in a row without a uh, job so they'll look so, for yeah, everything yeah. if it's legit it's fine but she wasn't they found you know uh, she'd written down her work diary and stuff you know <clears throat> so that happened I went to work that day and I'm like I know what I'm gonna do I'm quitting so I built my business up to a point where I was getting paid enough money to live residually. And I was like, uh, in fact, actually that that week I got paid four grand that week in a week from my part time business. And from I meant, the network marketing. Yeah, I was like, this is what I did part time. Imagine what I can do when I'm full time. Mm. So I just told my boss, I was like, dude, you know this is what happened. I think you know I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go to America. He's like, oh, for how long? I said, I think forever. He's like, what do you mean? Never come back. I said, nah, I'm actually, what I'm going to do is go to Mexico. So I think three or four weeks later, I gave him, because he was a really great boss. I said, oh, you know, I'll properly finish with you. I'm just going to leave tomorrow. Like, make sure you got someone else to replace me and stuff. And as soon as that happened, I, I literally packed all my shit, 23 years old, one-way ticket to America, and then grabbed her. And I said, we're moving to Mexico. That's all I, that's all I wanted. That's when I live in Mexico. So we moved there, 23 years old. Digital nomad. Yeah. For, so I built financial freedom. I had, I was making more money residually every week than I needed to live on. Moved to Mexico. It was freaking awesome. But then after a couple of days, I asked myself the question. I was like, what's missing? And the fact was, there was no one else with me. I was like, it's just me and Cameron. I'm like, I, I've just gone from this fuck up to this. Quite successful now. I want to start helping other people do it. So then I, I tripled down on it. We and I built my business to... You know, we'd hit over six figures annually then um, in, in profit about four or five months after that. And then I become the top income in the entire company under 25. And I started getting flown around to train thousands, um, you know, and then traveled the world, lived in Bali, across America, traveled nearly 50 countries now, and then came back to Australia, started COVID, ended that business because I wanted to pivot into everything I'm doing now, which was literally, I was like, for so long, I was teaching all these people inside the company skill set mindset how to literally build a life of peak performance life of success and finally go after it and i've and I become really good at human behavioral psychology and i've just studied you know i've invested now quarter million dollars in personal development programs learning with people like tony robbins bob proctors darren hardy um john d martini you know some of the best people in the world and 
then yeah, quite recently in the last few years, I've gone and done every single thing you can in the NLP world. So I'm an NLP trainer now. So not just like a certificate, like a coach. For anyone and... who doesn't know too much, neurolinguistic programming, which is, mm. do you want to explain a bit? Right? Oh, I should probably know it. <clears throat> but neurolinguistic programming, if you have, how, how it got created, it's probably the best to understand like this. Because some people like neurolinguistic programming. If you think of that, so neuro I brain. Of, I just think of um, the game that pick up artists. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so like so neuro neuro is the brain, right? So what's happening inside of the brain? So our our neurons, literally, like how they're wiring together, how they're firing together, yeah. and and teaching through neuroplasticity how we can literally remold our lives, our brains, our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, our identity. And you can be a completely different person in a week. You can be a completely different person in a 10-minute conversation with me if you really want. Mm. <laughs> um, so neuro, then linguistic. Everything that we think is is life is formed inside of us through language. Mm. Like if you didn't know this was a microphone, you it's it's labeled something. So everything's labeled. Everything's language, including all of our problems. So why aren't you going after what you want? Oh, because I don't believe I'm good enough. Like what what is that? Mm. It's, it's, it's a belief that we've formed through language. And the crazy things we can do with, with language in the brain is just it's just mind-numbing. Uh, mind so then programming, so literally reprogramming the mind. But how it started was these two guys when literally studied everything that could, every, all the grandfathers of psychology, all the grandfathers of hypnotherapy, psychotherapy, um, uh, gestalt therapy, um, what's, every single therapy you can think of. They went sat with all the living people, studied everything, and they want to figure out how they did what they did. They took all of it and compressed it into NLP. So it's 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 pretty it's pretty freaking wild stuff, really is. Yeah, I want to study more on it. So then I'm just like piecing the puzzle together now. So isogenics for years, living that nomad life, enjoying it, but missing some ingredients to make the perfect cake. I guess you'd call it. Yeah. Let's I, talk about what brought you back to um, Australia pre-COVID and then yeah this next chapter what your program is however much willing you share you're willing to share yeah, yeah. free on the um, podcast but <coughs> we can go as far yeah, as take us through a couple of the steps because I think there's going to be people listening going like oh, I'm a tradie and I'm unhappy or like mm. oh, I'm working this job and I'm unhappy how do we dream out loud how do we cool. take those steps so yeah so step number one is so we'll go through the four pillars right yeah. and then I want to really I do want to talk about stuff because it's good the yeah. questions you're asking because I never I never sit here. Whenever I do a podcast, I try to always tell all your secrets in the podcast, but I want to get to know you because I think this sets up a lot more context as to why you teach what you do because you've lived it. It's not just, I always, there's a lot of life coaches and I I don't know if you put yourself under the life coach banner (laughs) that haven't had the experience that you have, the depression, the suicide attempt, the unhappiness in one job to shifting, to creating financial freedom through another job, to moving overseas. Like you've lived the experience to be qualified to teach this stuff. Yeah. Not that you need to go and do those things to get it. But, but yeah, the embodiment of it is a big thing. So three levels of learning. Uh, we, we can know things, know things. We can read it in a book or whatever. I mean, like, oh, yeah, now I know that. Okay. Second level of learning is understanding. We can understand things to a degree, which is if we think of professors, teachers, they... Like one thing that never made sense to me is if I want to learn business, why would I go to a university and learn it from a professor who has a job? Makes no sense. No disrespect at all. But this is where things are flawed because the second level is understanding. So they probably understand basic management, basic operations, basic finance, probably to be able to teach you that. But is that going to teach you how to build, you know, start being an entrepreneur? Is that going to teach you how to, you know, create a multi-million dollar business? No. This is why like 
I'll talk about this and I'll put it into existence. We're in talks right now with the University of Queensland of having my my business program whitelisted through their university and their entrepreneurship program because no one can fucking teach entrepreneurship. Mm. Like I'll teach it. Someone who never even went to university, I'll teach how to do it, bro. I'll teach the actual shit you need, right? Mm. Um, not building a fucking website straight away. Like anyway, the last one though is embodiment, which is the best one. So go and do epic shit. Learn your things from it and then teach people about the things you learn from doing the epic shit. It's pretty much what the Good Human Factory is. Like I just share my story from my surfing. And, and that's why you're doing so the... well at it because people these days can see straight through like, mm. oh, you're just another dude when did a fucking one-week course and now you're trying to tell me how to change my life and you still work a job that you don't like. It doesn't make no disrespect, but you got to find some yeah. congruency. So for the people watching this and they're like, okay, I get it all. What can I actually do? I want to give these guys some stuff and then we can talk about some things I've learned that I don't think I've shared anywhere actually. Um, so, so the right environment, right? So the right environment is the most important thing. Um, I, I shared a video this week actually that Harvard University did a study that, you know, I've been banging on about it for years, but they did a study showing that people, um, one of the, the most important things uh, to become extremely successful is literally your peer group. It's like the peer group. It's like the conversations you're having, the feedback you're getting. Um, but only for many different reasons other than the things that we actually understand. Of course, you stand around, you go to dinner with five millionaires. They're probably all going to talk about money, business, all these sorts of things, yeah? Eventually, you're probably going to know a thing or two about money and business and everything else. But the most crazy thing that happens with the environment is a thing called our projection. So they did this study with a teacher and they said to the teacher, they said, hey, all of these students here um, are mentally retarded. So go easy on them for the year, for the term. So the teacher had the projection that you're stupid and the kids all got C's and D's. Then they took out the teacher, put in a new teacher, exact same students, and said, these students are exceptionally smart. This is the special class because they're geniuses. Do your best to keep up with them. And they all got A's and B's. So based off this, this says so much based off the thing that your environment of what we can actually project into each other. Because like in the quantum field, we're all connected. Mm-hmm. Everyone talk that, right? In the quantum field, we're literally all connected and time doesn't exist. Nothing really exists. So including all of our problems and limitations. So if we're around people that also don't have limitations around what they think is possible. They'll project that onto you. Mm. And eventually you'll start to actually have belief to be like, man, I can also do anything. But same as the other side, you sit at the pub every Friday night with Barry, Darren and the boys. And they're all thinking like, you know, that they don't like their wife, you know, they're watching jelly wrestling and, and they're just trying, they, they happily go work on Saturday. Just don't have to be home with the kids. Then you'll have the, that miserable attitude projected into you as well. And you'll think, well, that's how the world is. So the environment is the most important thing. You can literally shortcut all of your results in life by just choosing the people you surround with. How does someone change their environment if they're in a tough spot? It's hard. I, I just like I just want to throw the curveball at you because you get it all the time. Someone's mm. like, you know, married kids in an unhappy situation. Yeah, I just like to empathize with people like that as well as give maybe some yeah. other options how we can change our environment without changing our world. Well, whatever we're not changing, we're choosing. Yeah. So if, if someone is living in an extremely unhappy environment, you got to ask the question, well, if you're extremely unhappy, why aren't you changing? And then they give you all the reasons. Well, I can't, the kids. Da, 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 da. Here's the thing. 
your kids, right? They're modeling from you anyway. Mm. They're modeling from you anyway. And if you and your partner are not living in a loving relationship, they're now learning how to do relationships from a broken relationship. Mm. They will learn more from life watching their mother and father be happily married, not together, than they will watching a fake one happen while you're together. Mm. It's like my parents got divorced when I was 16. And when they got divorced, I was like, what? You guys never even fight. Then looking back on it after, I'm like, they were, they were never happy for my whole life. Yeah. I'm having to learn this love thing. Love's awkward for me. Kind of, it's, it's an interesting thing. I love love, but I, I also notice sometimes some awkwardness about it, especially around my family because it was never there. It was always just fucking weird. But, but then I think, I was like, well, if mom and dad had got divorced when they wanted to, 15 yeah. years earlier, and then their whole lives would probably be a lot different. And maybe I'd be able to model something else. Mm -hmm. I'm, everything's perfect the way it is. But yeah. the people who are like, but I can't change my environment. Okay, well, you're choosing it. Every, we're, we're choosing yeah. everything. Um, you know, but if we really want to start, you got to look through the, what's the five senses. You know, so if you can't choose your physical environment, right? So, because I can relate. Sometimes I had a job and I was like, I can't change this. But my drive to work every day was, was podcasts and books. Like I had Jim Rohn mentoring me in the back seat every single day, you know, just putting a CD in my car every day. When I'd come you know, on lunch breaks, I changed all my news feed on my social media. I wasn't following so shit. Working towards a change of environment. Yeah. Just being stagnant and working backwards. Yeah. You know, so like I remember one time I went down the rabbit hole of Illuminati and everything and, and I was 18 and everything I followed was just that. I was like, oh, and I felt so depressed every time I opened up Facebook. I was like, holy shit. And I started unfollowing all the stuff. And now what I do, if I get on social media and I don't like the attitude of people, I'll unfollow. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I just don't care because I'm setting my life up to support me in the best way possible. So I don't, I don't care if someone I like outside of social media, if I have to unfollow them, I, I don't care because mm. my social media is for me. And often like a lot of my friends are like, you don't follow me. Like, Bro, I'm friends with you. I don't need to fucking follow you. Don't yeah. make up a story about it. Right? But, I love that. but the main thing is, is yeah, like looking at the five senses. So, can we change our physical environment? I truly believe we always can. Maybe it'll take a couple steps to get there. And maybe if it's in a very hard situation, work with a coach, work with a counselor or something on some good healthy steps to get there because I, I can look at it from two sides. If you're in an extremely unhappy relationship and you know you've got to leave and like I did it for years, but I knew I stayed in the relationship because I didn't want to hurt the other person. But then guess what? I started hurting myself more. Mm. And then eventually I ended the relationship hardest decision of my life but looking back on it now we're both living exactly the life we wanted mm -hmm. so sometimes through hard decisions gets us the life we want in fact yeah. all the time if we do what's hard life will be easy do what's easy life will be hard so every, everything's a choice but you know really changing the things that we just consume daily will literally change everything mm -hmm. um yeah it's very easy to for for the pub goers the the tradies the oh yeah i can't change my environment yeah, but you can choose to not go to the pub on a Friday afternoon and hang with all the, the boys. Go to the beach, go for a walk, mm. go for a surf, go get a new support community, Start go to a personal development seminar. That'll fucking change everything. Because yeah. a lot of people come if they're in a shitty situation, I'll change up by the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that's really the main thing, you know. That will lead you to the right vehicle eventually. You know, if you get really clear on your life's mission, your life's purpose you'll eventually start to discover things in your life that you really like. The things you like, the things you're good at, things that give you energy, things that give you joy. There's things in this life that we all get energy from. They're the things we should lean into. There's things that drain our energy. Do less of that. Do more of things that give us energy. Mm. 
Energy is not something we get from a drink, from food, from sleep. Energy is something we generate from doing things that are meaningful to us. So if we're ever low in energy, it's because the, the things we're doing or the things we're talking about are really uninspiring for us. But like, I'm sure you could probably stay up to all hours in the night talking about this topic probably. Mm. Same with me. I just talk forever because it just gives me energy. I'm, I've never... I, I do 40 hours on stage in a weekend, three days. I'm sleeping four hours a night at that event. I'm fucking cooked. But day three, I got more energy than what I had on day one. Mm. How? Because I'm in the zone. I'm doing the thing I love. It gives me energy. <clears throat> the third pillar is the right timing. A lot of people just sit and wait and they procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. You know, But to make now the right timing is to actually really get leverage on our life. So how we get leverage is two things. So our brain will do anything to gain pleasure or avoid pain. So a lot of people have seen the secret or they learn about manifesting. It's all pretty and it's all beautiful. And they they put their goals on their screensaver and they're like, yeah, this is the life I want. Right? And they get the vision board and whatever, right? But that's only kind of motivating because what's more motivating is avoiding what's painful. Now, I've never met anyone who's manifested the life, the beautiful life they want without enduring some moments of discomfort or perceived pain. Like there's going to be moments of, oh man, I don't want to have to make that phone call. I don't want to have to have that hard conversation. Okay. Well, if you don't, then you're choosing to have the life you still have, mm. right? There's going to be moments of, of time that might be painful. So if you're only being motivated by the thing that's bringing you pleasure, when you perceive the things that are bringing you pain, you won't do them. Therefore, this isn't as important because this is more important because pain is far more motivating than pleasure, mm. right? Because a lot of people, why don't, why doesn't everybody go out there and make a million dollars? Everybody wants it. I've never met anyone say, I don't want a million dollars. Mm. Why don't people go do it? <clears throat> because the pain that they've perceived with accomplishing it or having it. All these money stories maybe. Oh, but if I do that, I'll be a bad person. If I do that, I won't be loved. If I do that, I'll just lose it. If I do that, people will think I'm this. or So I just, I don't want that. So I won't do it. I'll stay here. So we've got to get really, really clear. But how can we use these two motivating forces to actually move us in the moment now? Mm. One is to get really clear on what it is we want. We won't move without a vision, right? We, we need to know exactly where we're going. Like no one would get in an airplane and let the pilot take off. And then the pilot goes, all right, guys, beautiful day today to go. We're not sure where we're going yet. Mm. Like no one does that. You get in the plane with absolute certainty, with absolute confidence that, you know, I'm flying from Brisbane to LA. Don't know how we're getting there. And we're not even going to be in the right direction most of the time. We're going to be off course nearly all the time. But I know eventually we'll get there because we put it in the GPS. So put the vision in the GPS. What is it we really want? What is it we really freaking want? And then come over here and go, what's hurting us now? What's our why? What hurts you? Because we can get really clear on the things that hurt us now in the moment then we now have two visions. Instead of the pretty beautiful vision, we cut out pictures and put it on our wall. We get to look and go, great, this is the life I'm, I'm wanting. And this is the life I have right now. I put them in front of me. Now all we're left with is moments. The only thing we can do in each moment is make a decision and a new choice. So the past doesn't equal the future. The future doesn't equal now. The only thing that matters right now is what do you choose to do now? If you got, this is the life I'm not happy with. I'm absolutely miserable with this. This is the life I really want. Great. In the next moment, choose a new decision. If that decision is bad, all good because you got a new moment one second later, right? So when we have to to usually get off 
to get going, it's going to take some momentum. This is why I'll literally tell people on January 1, every year for the last for like four years, I put a video out and I said, don't set big goals this year. Because most people set big goals, but they don't have a foundation mm. of even positive behavior. Set something. Set The goal should be in the beginning for people who are like, man, I'm, I'm so fucked up. I don't even know where I start. That's okay. Set some goals that just build you a solid foundation and the result of doing these over and over will be something that you want. Mm. So, for example, if you want to lose 50 kilos, don't make the goal be like, I'm going to drop 50 kilos by June. It's just fucking dumb. If you've, if you've sat on the couch for the last one year and watched Netflix every day, set the goal to go, I'm going to hit the gym two times a week. That's it. No, I'm not. The result isn't my goal. Mm. My goal is the behavior that will lead me to the result. Start to get this foundation going. But we won't actually make now the right timing until we can get some motivation on ourselves mm. and get really clear on what's going to be the repercussions if I don't leave, right? And the fourth pillar, the fourth pillar is become the right you. So become the right you comes down to three things. Right belief system, right value system, and the right attitude, right? If the only thing people get from this is getting the right attitude, then they'll really have an incredible life because our, our environment will start to dictate what we value our values are things we find most important to us. Our belief systems are, are stories that we believe to be really, really, really true. But we'll do things that are more important to us before we do things that we believe is true. So even if we believe making money is easy, if money is not important for us, we'll never do it. Mm. And vice versa. So it's all about really re starting to reprogram our actual unconscious mind. But having the right attitude will get you there because there's three types of people in the world First person will sit there and they'll complain about their wind. The victim. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's so, it's so hard out here. The wind, you don't get it. I want to change my environment, but you just don't get it. Sure. I don't get it. And, I, and it might not be your fault. I get it. It's not your fault that you were raped when you were young. It's not your fault that you were robbed. It's not your fault that you got divorced. It's not your fault you lost your job. It's not your fault any of these things that happened to you. I get it. I get it. But it's your responsibility to do something about it. Otherwise, you'll keep choosing that old story. You'll keep recycling the past. <clears throat> the second person, they just hope that the wind will change. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over, thinking that the wind will just change for them one day and it doesn't happen in definition of insanity. And the last person, they just get up and change the sail. Mm. <laughs> it's not blowing in my direction. I'm going to change it. I'm going to do something about it. So if I'm not happy, I'm going to do something about this, right? So they're kind of the four pillars uh, of of theoretically, you know, but then, the, like I said before, it's one thing to know it, one thing to understand it, mm. the last thing to actually embody it. I love it. I, I want to come to one of your seminars. Yeah, come I, on. I'll give you a ticket. Invite, come you already on. invited me to the Dream Big one because that's a um, that's an event you've got coming mm. up in. I think when this episode comes out in a couple of days, so Dream Fest. Yeah, we can um talk about that. I'm gonna come check it out, but I want to come to one of your masterclass weekend things. Yeah, I'll give to... you a ticket to my Dream Outlet Method, man. It's that's an incredible weekend. Um, yeah, you'll have a lot of fun there. Really there. reshape a lot of like, shit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so always like curious to learn and like all this neuroscience and NLP stuff fascinates me. Mm. So the more that we can understand ourselves a bit better and understand that there's so many different ways to view the world, it's um yeah, yeah it's beautiful. I'm gonna give you a quote. You're gonna love this quote. Yep. Have you watched the movie The Peaceful Warrior? No. Oh, bro, I had neither until a couple of weeks ago, and my friend okay. Alex Hay showed me, and I was like, you're gonna fucking love it. It's so good. It's old, but there's a quote in it. 
and because I speak very similar about a lot of stuff like taking responsibility, like you kind of did with that, mm-hmm. those three people. And there's this quote that just sums it up so well. And it's be conscious of your choices and take responsibility for your actions. And I was mm. like, oh, mm. it's like when you, you'll think yeah. about that for a second. Yeah. But it's all it is. Just be conscious when you make your choices, what their effect is and take responsibility. If you make the wrong ones, take responsibility for it and change them. Think about how much different the world would be if everybody actually, everybody, yeah. like look at uh, the world's filled with blame, mm. ego, it's filled with this, that, you, me, this, you know, good, bad, right, wrong. Like, instead of just going, ah, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard. Move on. We get, yeah, you learn. It's like, it's move the on. most powerful thing being able to say I've got something wrong and yeah. I'll change and try to do and, and 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 knowing when to choose, change the journey, right? I said to you that, you know, I was, so I was in a relationship. I came back to Australia. Like, when I pivoted out of network marketing and everything I'm doing now, I knew I was in a relationship that wasn't right. How I knew that was, New Year came around, as I do, analyze my life. And I was like, am I going to do another year in this relationship? And, or I think I asked myself, am I going to marry this girl? And the answer was, I don't know. And I was dating her for three years. I was like, dude, if you don't know now, so wasting your time. That was what myself said to myself. And I was like, fuck, Morgan. And it was just real. But the reason I was delaying it, it was because I was 99% in. Probably not in that. I was probably like 85% in. But I was more so staying in it because I wanted to not hurt her. Mm. So like we're, we're usually, we're, we're either moving towards the things we want or away from things we don't want. And I was moving away from what I didn't want. I was like, well, if, if I can just make sure she's not hurt because I want to look after her. And, you know, and I see so many people like that. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful trait. You know, of course, you don't want to hurt people. But by not hurting them, you're hurting them even more. Mm. And then so I had to make the decision, which was the hardest decision of my life, but I knew was the right decision. That's why like the right decision is not always going to be easy. In fact, it's it's probably never going to be easy if it's big, right? And that was the hardest decision of my life, Um, but I knew it was the right one. Uh And now she's in a relationship where she's so happy with the guy she really wanted to be with, you know, like like a dude's giving her all the shit she wants. And I'm in a relationship with someone who I really want to be with, you know, and and it, and it's it's beautiful. But the reason I came back to Australia was COVID, actually. Yeah. I whole Aussie tour back booked in, New Zealand tour booked in. I was going to Canada, America, and Mexico to speak all in about two months. Wow. It was hectic, and uh, I think I literally nearly hit the edge of burnout, and then COVID started locking down all these events, and I was actually grateful. I was like, thank fuck, I don't yeah. want to go to these. Wow. And then it all just pivoted, podcast, and boom, 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 boom. Wow. So, been quite the journey, man. I appreciate you sharing. It's been wild. So, <laughs> you were saying before there's something you want to share that you haven't shared with anyone. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> and if not, it's all good. We'll get you back on. I think it probably would have been something around that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I really, it was only in the last few years I started to really discover what uh, boundaries were and what self-esteem was and self-love. Um, it was probably that because I was thinking why I stayed in the relationship. Um, no, sorry. I asked myself, I was like, why can't I fully commit? Cause this girl was amazing. Like, she was my best friend for years. Then we dated and I was like, why can't I commit? And the, the answer was cause you don't love yourself. Mm. <laughs> and it was funny. He, here's where I view. Like I, I honestly believe like I looked at, I look at nearly everything in my life objectively. Like I'm not in it. I'm, I'm observing and I'm mm. doing life. And I'm making decisions like a chess player. And sometimes you can make decisions that are not easy, but you know, you just know they're right. 
And if they're hard, they may be hard in the moment, but every single thing that's happening in our life is perfect. Everything is perfect. And I even say this to some people on stage, it's like, who here has had the most traumatic, fucked up shit ever happened to them you would never wish upon anybody? Nearly everyone puts their hand up. And cue up your hand if, if it was the worst, if you still think back then, it was like the worst fucking thing. When it was happening, you were like, why is this happening to me? And everyone puts their hand up. I said, now, who would actually go back and change that and make sure it never happened? No one's hands goes down. Mm. I said, so you're telling me that the most fucked up shit ever happened to you made you exactly who you are right now and you're so grateful for that. Because even the hardest things we go through shape us into the person we have to become. We can't, we can't choose the journey. We can always choose the outcome. Always choose the outcome. Then you just got to work on becoming the best version of you possible to be equipped for whatever the fuck the universe throws at you along that journey. Yeah. Because if you ask for this, the universe is going to turn you into a person that can handle that life. But if you ask for this, of course you won't face any you know yeah. things. But the, ba- the hard thing about it is when bad things happen to you, you won't necessarily know why they happen to you right away. In fact, maybe you'll never even know. And that's life. Life just is. Things just are. And you just got to accept them and move on. Mm. So when I was going through that, I was like, I was like, why? Why am I being so strong? Like, I know this is the direction I need to go. I know this is the decision I need to make. And I was trying to think. I was like, what are the benefits of this? What, what am I learning from this? And I couldn't think of anything. I was like, this fuck. You know, maybe in, maybe in 10 years, I'll learn why universe will be like well here's that here's the lesson i'll be like oh my god if i never did that i never would have learned this oh so i just surrendered to not needing to know and then a few days later <laughs> thankfully i learned it very quickly i was like ah oh. um i kept seeing ads for self-love and shit like i swear like and then maybe they saw the messages and like oh we're breaking up and then the fucking next minute self-love shit comes up and i'm like come on man or it's just synchronously i don't know with facebook ads you can never really know and I looked and I was like, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I can never fully commit to this relationship because I never fully committed to me yet. Mm. So what really taught me was learning how to really love myself, have good boundaries, have good level of self-esteem, healthy level of self-esteem. And I honestly think that's been one of the biggest things that's helped me create a lot more success now. Like now we've made millions of dollars, well, well, well on track of multiple seven-figure business, um, you know, I make more money in a weekend sometimes than I've ever done in a year, wow. you know? And I think one of the biggest things was being okay and feeling good about receiving because mm. I am good enough for it. Yeah, wow. Can we go into that for one second? Yeah. How do you break that? That's something I'm working through at the moment is to break free of the constraints of the upbringing that we have and the self-beliefs we have around money and how yeah, we can accept that it's okay to make what you used to make in a year, in a day. I'm mm. like learning that as well with speaking. There's obviously huge opportunities. But yeah, how do we break free of that imposter syndrome? Yeah, well, we've got another event called Minor Money. <laughs> I'll be coming to that too. Yeah. I'll be one of your biggest customers. Yeah, so. and um, <clears throat> you know, that that's, I love this topic because it's a very, everyone's very different, right? But you go look at really what, like what are the money stories you learn going up? So what did like what did money mean? Like was money easy to make growing up? What, how did your parents make money? Like, did, were they in business or anything? Or? Nah, or just, like just trades. Well, not tradesmen, but does was like a draftsman, like drew, mm-hmm. does computer CAD drawings for buildings and stuff. And yeah, mum was a cleaner. So did, did they ever? Was there a lot of money or not much money? Got by, but just I never learned about investing or like it yeah. was never like. 
it was like save money so you can buy a house. The very age-old story of like get a job that can secure yourself. When I started building the Good Human Factory, I had my mom and my sister being like, hey, I reckon you should come work for Fizz instead of like going really hard at it. Whereas now I can make the same in mm. a day that I'd make in a month yeah. as a tradie. So I'm like, it takes time to build the the skill level and I guess the confidence to be able to charge yourself out at something like that. Kinda. Which I'm learning right now, but yeah, it's like saying no to when families try and pull you back towards like no, 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 go take the comfortable route. Well, so there's a there's a there was a story, a test, I'm not sure, of the crab mentality. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's really big in Australia as well. You put one crab in a bucket and it'll crawl its way out. Put twenty in a bucket, one will try to crawl out, the others will grab it and pull it back down to safety. They think that they legitimately think they're trying to save the crab. They work in a crab mentality. They stick together, and in Australia, especially the whole tall poppy shit, yeah, uh, it's a really big thing. Where you know, so if your family never been entrepreneurship, then you go and do this. It's very easy for them to go, oh, don't do that because they think what's well, entrepreneurship's hard. It's all don't their, jump out of the bucket. Yeah, all their beliefs that like there's the reason why they never went after it. Obviously, because if they believe they could, they would. Right, it's all a belief. So they would then imposing your their beliefs and be like, no, you can't. It's scary. It's dangerous or whatever, right? Never saying that to you, and then they're essentially trying to pull you back down. But all our money story is literally like there's three periods of our life. Zero to seven is called the imprint phase. Now mine is literally like a walking. It's just open subconscious. There's no conscious filter yet. So it's like people are in trance. Like when I hypnotize people, that's where I can hypnotize somebody, sim down, and reprogram their entire mind. Or whatever they want to believe in a very short amount of time. Like I can hypnotize. Do that on the next podcast, you can hypnotize me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come to the three-day event, actually. We do, we do a whole stage show, right? Oh, I can't wait. Do a whole stage show and uh, we have a bit of fun with that. But, you know, this is why I can, certain people, I can come and shake their hand three seconds flat, put them to sleep and then wake them back up and convince them that they're a chicken, right? Think about what has to happen in your mind. For you to legitimately think that that's normal, but then consciously you go, this is this, because this is what happens when you're on hypnosis. You know you're doing it, but you just sort of like, the fuck? So consciously you're like, I'm not a chicken, but unconsciously you believe you are. Then we can change it, obviously. But imagine zero to seven, you're in complete hypnosis. You're being programmed. Mm. So you think about it, from the age of zero to seven, what did you learn around money? What did mum do around money? What did dad do around money? Was it easy to get? Was it not easy to get? Was it scary? Mm. Did you have? Did they have to hold it all? Or do they blow it all? Do they give it all away? Do they make a lot, then lose it? Like, what were the habits that we started to sort of pick up? What were the stories we made? Um, and then 7 to 14 is called the modeling period. So we'll learn about our beliefs, our values, our identity based off our role models growing up. Now, if you think about the role models in the world now, Cardi B, Drake, all the rappers and shit, you know, dancing in front of Rolls Royces, Grills, the, who's the... Ah, lamb boy, right? All these dudes, right? Like you look at the, they can't be worth much money. They got all of their assets in their face, you know, but these are the role models. So people are learning about money, you know, and you think if like we're talking about the whole conspiracy, the whole puppet system is these are the biggest role models because spend, spend, yeah, make money, spend it. Then you have to stay in a job. It's all these things. They're not going to teach. I've never seen a rapper. I've never seen a rapper be like, I got 10 racks sitting in my investment portfolio <laughs> it doesn't happen they're like i take it to the club and i blow it and that's what's cool so when people start to develop these things that like i want to make money then blow it so i can look cool and impress people they never learn things like i'm gonna invest money and, da, 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 da. and then you think of role models the simpsons i grew up watching the simpsons 
Who's the rich person in The Simpsons? Mm, the evil Monty Mr. Burns. Burns. Evil guy. The movies is obviously, you know, so we think of all these things. 14 and 21 socialization, socialization phase. What's everyone else around us doing pretty much? We start to just imprint all these beliefs. So if we're looking at the money stories, you know, we have 2 million pieces of information a second our brain takes in. We can only process 134 bits of information a second. So that's a lot of information left unconsciously out as programming us and running our life without us knowing. So when you think about money, this it's a big conversation. It's going to take three days to talk to people about it. But it's massively around the beliefs we hold around money, You know what we think it will mean, what's it mean of us if we make a lot of it, what's our parents going to think of us, duh, 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 duh. so many sort of things inside of here. Um, but I can really narrow it down to two big things, self-esteem and the willing to receive. Because money is receiving. So it's like one of the things sometimes I ask people to do is to go and ask a stranger to go and buy them something. And the amount of resistance people have. Oh, I can't do that. Why? Have you never given, have you never bought something for somebody before? Mm. Felt amazing. Never given a gift? Yeah. Can't ask a stranger to buy you a cup of coffee? No. Why? I do it. If I, I forgot my wallet. I got a stranger to fill up my jet ski at the server the other day. So I forgot my wallet. But I, now, it was a bit interesting, but I was like, oh, I can do this. Hey, dude, hey, would you mind putting in 20 bucks? I don't have my wallet. I'm completely done. He's like, yeah, man. And I said, I can bank transfer if you want. No, it's all good. And then I was leaving. I was thinking, well, of, of course that would happen because I would do that for somebody. Mm. It's the world I live in. But then I'm also, being, I'm very okay for receiving. If people want to send me money, I'm like, I'll receive. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. But then making money, it's also the ability to receive, feeling good enough to receive it, but then also knowing that what you're delivering in, in return is something of value. Yeah. You know, when you feel really good about like the value that you're actually giving out, people get to be very happy to pay. Mm. And it's just, yeah. Finding that balance. No, I'm learning that a lot. But, mate, this has been an amazing chat. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your story and letting us know the journey that you've been on to become the man you are today. I think it's uh, really inspiring and special to hear the way that you've, I guess, broken out of the mold of the general mm. consensus of what life should be. And it obviously shows how happy you are now and how successful you are in many ways, not only financially, but also spiritually, emotionally, and in all ways, which is, um, I think a lot of people find it quite difficult to get to there. And it seems like you're there, but I think it just comes back to that growth mindset. You're always willing to learn and continue to adapt and change and yeah, bring new things into your life. So I guess one last question before I go to my last question, where, how can anyone get involved in your um, events? Yeah. I'll leave everything in the show notes as we all know, but yeah, yeah. what, what if now's your kind of time to plug anything you got coming up before I ask your last question? Yeah, cool. Uh, well, a few things like main, main place is me on Instagram. I'm very, I'm Instagram's my main thing. Uh, I do reply to the DMs and everything there. So you just find me at Morgan T. Nelson, always promoting all our videos and everything we cover out. I have so much free shit that goes out. Um, our podcast, Dream Out Loud, you've been on that. I've had some amazing guests on that. Uh, and then depending on when this comes out, Dream Fest is our biggest event. It's just a few weeks away. James Smith speaking of that. Aaron Sansoni, like We'll have hundreds there. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Like what a date one, is it? August 19. August 19. So it's yeah. you know, a one-day event for people that are just hungry for more in life, like entrepreneurs wanting more, social media, business, talks. But just the, the community is the sickest. So... Um, people can go to dreamfest2023.com and get a ticket to that if they're still available. Um, Did you say me and my chick? 
Yeah, I'll get you guys one. Absolutely. You you're going to get me one. Did I say no, that? I'll, I'll just buy one. It's all good. No, no, I'll, I'll hook but you up. I want to come anyway because I think um, it's amazing. This is stuff that I'm so inspired by so many self-development, I guess, gurus and people online, for people from like Cohen Way, James Smith, mm. um, obvious ones like Gary Vee and Joe Rogan, all these people who are willing just to continue to learn. Jay Shetty, I guess, just to name a couple. And I haven't been to like a conference thing yet. I've spoken oh, at really? a couple, but I've never actually just gone to Dream, immerse myself. Dreamfest gave you off its head because there's so many that happen, and this and they networking and they, they operate them as just businesses. Yeah. And obviously, we operate a business. We got to make money at it. Um. But one thing I I really strong on like last year, the people were messaging me months after like that event was sick. I'm like that's what I want. Yeah. Well, the event for the the event that I wish I had when I was 18. Mm. You can come. Like, like take us like a hundred bucks. Like where can you come and get access to some of the best people here in Australia? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's sick. So you'll have a lot of fun. Mate, can't wait. I'm going to be there. I'll um, leave all the stuff in the show notes. The last question I do finish all of Good Humans yeah. podcast with is the same for everyone. I'm very excited to hear your answer uh-huh. for this. What does being a good human mean to Morgan Nelson? First thing that came to mind was kindness. But I want to sort of give something a little deeper than that, I guess. Like I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and, and I was just thinking, imagine, imagine if every single person in this world was so much more happier and kind, right? But what, what, what helps them become happy and kind is being so happy with themselves and so on purpose with their own life and be so okay that they're not, they're not being pushed this way or that way because of society's pressures or guilt or fear or whatever. They're living on purpose, on a mission with their life. And then every single person is able to just give from that. Imagine a world if every single person could give, you know, like from that, where they're, they're content here, they know what they're doing, and then everyone can just take that step out, you know, to help somebody here, help somebody there. The, the ripple effect, you know, if, so you really think like what being a good human is, is relentlessly pursuing the thing that sets your soul on fire. Because good being a good human isn't necessarily about helping everybody because you can't help everybody if you can't help yourself first. Mm. So being able to be so relentless in creating a life that's so exciting for you and then pulling in random acts of kindness, impact, giving into your life to really make a difference. If everybody did that, holy shit, the planet would change. Wow. Beautiful answer. I think it's one of my favorite after oh, I love it. 112 or 113 guests when this is coming <laughs> out. It's um yeah, amazing. But mate, thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. I'll leave everything in the show notes and yeah. Thank you, brother. Really time. enjoyed this. Beautiful. Epic. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 